everything really changed after the first year of King and Queens. And then it just kind of been like this really cool um, snowball effect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mountain Cosmos. This podcast is about capturing the many different facets of mountain life. And I am your host, Rochelle Gilmore. I'm a ski instructor and an all-round mountain-loving person. I've been splitting my time between winters in Australia and Jackson Hole in the States for the past few years. And in these places, I get to hang out with some pretty awesome people. In this episode, I sit down and have a chat with Kate Zeller. Some of you may know her for being crowned the Queen of Corbett's in the first two King and Queen of Corbett's competition here in Jackson Hole. In this interview, we talk about how her skiing career has really taken off among a few other things. A couple of highlights are that last winter she got to shoot with Warren Miller and this winter she's shooting with TGR or Teton Gravity Research. Kate was actually one of the first people I met when I moved to Jackson Hole for the 2016-17 winter. We used to coach a ski racing program for the under 12s together. Back then she had some pretty big dreams and I feel so lucky to have been able to watch the last couple of years really unfold. So naturally when I decided to start a podcast, I really wanted to talk to Kate. And now a year later, I'm so excited to be able to publish an episode with Kate. We recorded this episode in my living room here in Jackson just the other week. So it's fresh off the press, guys. I really hope you enjoy this chat just as much as I did. What do you love about the mountains? Why are you here? Maybe you hate them. I don't think you do, but... Definitely don't hate them. I feel like mountains in general have always been a place of like freedom, as cheesy as that sounds. Like growing up when I was younger, I would go to ski school or race team or whatever you like to call it. And we just rip around and it was a place where I could go as fast as I wanted, go wherever I wanted. And I found real freedom in the mountains. And then as I got older, I found a lot of independence as far as getting into backpacking or mountaineering and these things that allowed me to go deeper in the woods and learn about myself and push myself in physical and mental ways. I guess people know you because like predominantly winter, but what about summer? Like, do you like exploring in the summer as well? It's definitely not the same passion that I have for skiing. I think the going down part has brought me into exploring mountains in a different way, but there's like a funny just meandering around the woods that I really like, especially back home in the forest back home. I got into mountain biking this summer and I think it's a really fun way to explore and cover ground. So not in the same ways, but it's just so peaceful and quiet and everything melts away, which is huge plus. It definitely like does bring freedom and kind sure. of be like out in the, the wild. You can feel like you're completely like away from everyone or. Yeah, you could be anywhere too. And like if you're in the mountains, it's like this leveling of playing field. You can be in the most foreign country in the world, but if you're in the mountains, somehow you feel at home, which is comforting in some places. A lot has changed since we met. A lot. Like so much. We were pipsqueaks. We were just. <laughs> I think I was 20, 21 maybe. We're the same age. We would have been like 22. 22. I never yeah. remember when I met. I also think that high school like wasn't that long ago and it really was like oh yeah high school like just a couple years ago not the case yeah it's crazy yes so regardless like three years ago i guess i know it's my fourth season here so three and a bit okay so i want to know well i know this but like i want everyone else to know like how you ended up in jackson because for a lot of us people here like we know that why people end up in jackson but i want to know why you ended up in jackson this is actually like a question that haunts me because i really randomly ended up here doesn't haunt me 
I just wish I had a better story. Growing up on the East Coast and ski racing and ended up ski racing at a collegiate level and was skiing at the University of New Hampshire when I blew my knee out in January. And that was kind of like this blessing in disguise. It was like, I was able to finally move on from the ski racing world, which I was ready to do for quite a while. I just didn't have it in me to quit. Getting hurt gave me this freedom. And I told my mom that I was gonna leave school and move out West to go try to be in ski movies. And she was weirdly like super fired up on it. So I packed up my car and was either gonna go to Salt Lake somewhere because I had heard about like Snowbird and Alta. And then a really good friend of mine that was also leaving school to move out West said that his cousin lived in Jackson Hole and we should go there. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. Um, so I moved to Jackson and was able to link up with Shauna Ledger, who's Jeff Ledger's wife. And she's from my hometown and I got a job and I got a place to live. And then I just fell in love with it. So it was super random. So what did you do for a job? Obviously, I know you because we were instructing together. Yes. But My first winter, I bused tables at the Spur. Yeah, I was 20, so I couldn't wait tables. But busing was super fun and got to work for Shauna, who was hilarious. And then the next three winters, I instructed and then worked at Teton Thai here and there and a piecemeal it together. Do you do that anymore? Or do you still? I cover shifts at Teton Thai when they need me, but <laughs> mostly just focusing on the skiing thing. It's good though to like get a nice Thai meal, make some cash, be social. So why did you decide to do instructing? Um, I needed a pass. Yeah. And I have a pretty strong ski racing background and understand the mechanics of skiing and actually I'm pretty nerdy about it and enjoy that side of it and figured it'd be a good way to get into coaching and maybe build a client base. I knew that you could make a life ski instructing. So I think it was that. And then I also had a great group of people from coaching that were able to point me in the right direction as far as getting certs and clients and all that jazz. So it kind of just fell into place. How old were you when you got injured? I was 20, 19 turning 20 in March. Big time. Big time. Big time without blowing out your knee. Um, I had skied one carnival and then it happened and it was honestly like I'd never been more relieved, which is strange, I think, because oftentimes injury is like such a letdown, but it was like my get out of jail free card. So did you move out here in the summertime? Well, like the winter. Kind of the fall. I think yeah. I got here in October or so. Therefore, every October or every fall, I get these crazy, not flashbacks, but, you know, and certain times bring you like back a couple years to that same time. And you kind of are reminded how many things have changed similar to what we were just talking about. It's yeah. pretty cool. I love fall time here for that reason. It's kind of like that transitional thing. I feel like I always feel like that in that like November, October, November, I always feel a bit crazy, really hard to live with. Fall is tough for me. I'm a to like, I don't know if I'm a brat, but I'm just like, meh, you know, <laughs> I'm probably a brat. I think it's okay to be a brat. It's good to get what you want. <laughs> it is good to get what you want. That's true. <laughs> I guess a lot of people probably want to know how you started skiing. Because you started ski racing, but not super young. Um, No, I like skiing was taught initially. to ski when I was like, a year and a half by my dad at a really small ski area in Jackson, New Hampshire. And then I probably went until third grade without really skiing. I learned when I was really young, but then I didn't do it much. And um, the elementary school I went to on Mondays, they would take everyone out of school early and we'd go to the local ski hill. So that's where I like really got into it. And then I fell in love with ski racing and like an addicted, like I loved it, but so much. <laughs> I think I found like, that was like my first passion was ski racing. So I kind of just took off from there. Completely like understandable. I had friends that raced a lot 
back in Australia that I like grew up with and they all ski race and I was so jealous and then I got to do it for a few years but I can understand like the burnout from it as well it's really intense and it's a really intense group of people and I think you have to be super driven to ski race at a certain level too so it makes sense but it was just a lot it's your life just especially I went to a ski academy too so it was like train diet and train and race and for a child too it was like a very regimented world that I think was super healthy for me I learned a lot as far as like how to be an athlete from that program that I'm now kind of putting into the big mountain world which is cool I think I'm really grateful for all those lessons that I learned super regimented and I never want to like talk badly about ski racing because I learned so much and I love it but that being said life is way more enjoyable right now (laughs) (laughs) it's nice to have a beer completely like guilt-free 100% it's definitely like or just a lot of things and I think I'm still learning how to like rest and how to like not be hard on myself because of all the years of regimented stuff but it also just the people in general are just way more laid back which is more conducive and like more kind of in line with who I am I can definitely understand that okay so you moved here you bust tables did all that stuff started instructing and you were on like the free ride like world qualifying yeah like how did that start like why did you start competing I don't know if you remember the Darren Rawls bonsai tour did you ever watch that it was like this really short-lived event Darren Rawls came up with this idea where you he basically wanted to take all aspects of skiing and put it into an event so it was um, a mix of skier cross big mountain skiing mogul skiing and ski racing it was a four-man start or four-woman start and four people went down a course at the same time and it was a natural course so it wasn't groomed or anything and it was just like big mountain style with gates that you had to go around and airs with a mogul course at the bottom and it was a timed event and it wasn't full contact, but you could definitely, like, touch people. It was the scared, most scared I've ever been. You, like, put on GS skis and just point it and, like, hope that someone doesn't hit you. But a friend of mine called me in the springtime of my first year here and asked me if I wanted to go to California and compete. And so I did. And then I did quite well and won some money. And I was like, oh, I want to go to New Zealand. And so I bought I won my ticket to New Zealand and talked my way into a coaching job at Treble Cone with Jutta Bergman and coached for him and his Austrian team, which was like such a wild experience. And then at the end of the summer, there was a, a free ride world qualifying event, a two-star. And so I was like, I really wanted to, I've always thought that the free ride world tour was super cool and filming was rad. And um, it was kind of always a dream. So I entered this comp and I won the two-star, which gave me access to the, like, I think it was a three-star at that point. And competing in the three-star were like Lorraine Huber and Anna Smoothie and these people that I looked up to. I was like, whoa, this is so sick. And then I ended up, I think, getting second or something in that one, which gave me access to all the four stars in the United States. So I was really lucky in the sense that I immediately was into like all the hard hitting, cool stops. It was like Kicking Horse and Taos and Crested Butte and all these places that you've seen on Instagram or whatever. So I was pretty excited about that and traveled around and did that. And it was such a blast. And I learned a ton about picking lines and how to ski fluid lines and how to, I don't know, just ski in a new way like a a more fluid way I feel like when I was just ripping around the resort you'd like jump off something and then like stop and look uphill and like watch your buddies and competing made me ski full lines and get creative and see the mountain in a different way which is super cool and then ended up actually going to Europe to compete and that was the time of my life not really there's more good times to come but Basically, you get to travel around Europe. What year was that? Two years ago. The cash is great. You win, like, cash money, and the venues are awesome. And Damn, not in ski racing. No, you don't. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? There's so much cash in this envelope. 
It wasn't that much cash, but to me it was a lot of cash. And um, ended up coming the last comp of the season. I needed to win uh, to get qualified for the Free Ride World Tour because they only take one woman. And I got second by two points. Ugh. And so it was one of these things that I was like sort of heartbroken, but in the same way, like a little bit relieved because I don't know if I was like quite ready in my mind to go compete on the tour. Like when I do something, I want to like make sure I'm going to be able to handle it. And I just felt at that point, like I might not have been, whether it was physically or mentally, I just, when I went to the tour, I wanted to like know that I was going to kick ass. Long story short, the next season I got the opportunity to film in the Warren Miller. So it was kind of like one door closed and another door opened. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Cause that kind of happened kind of out of the blue. Pretty out of blue, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because I remember us being, like, top of the tram, and I'm being like, I think I'm going to do a podcast. And you were like, yeah, let's do one. Yeah. And now we're here a year later. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, the Everything really changed after the first year of King and Queens. And then it just kind of been, like, this really cool um, snowball effect. But I really do think that Jess McMillan was pretty pivotal in helping me get a spot in the Warren Miller crew last year. She has been filming with them forever, and they approached her about the Jackson segment and... There was a conversation had and they wanted some like fresh blood, I guess, or like Jess was like, we have this amazing group of up and comers, like let's, let's highlight them. So really grateful to the resort and, and Jess for, they had no idea, like my only filming experience was Corbett. So they definitely rolled the die with me and it was pretty cute. They like brought me out and like helped me practice filming. Like Jess and I would go out, pretend like high five stoke shots. And then like we talk about like communicating with the boomer and like how to turn here and there. Yeah. She was super rad and um, the whole resort was cool and just helping me get comfortable in front of a camera, which is a funny task the first couple of times. Do you feel like you were getting more comfortable with it all? Definitely getting more comfortable. Like, I think I have the marketing turned down. That I've got. The smile but, and pole plant. Yeah, like the smile and the pole plant. And I'm really comfortable turning. I think the stuff that's still a little bit tricky for me is like when you're filming, it's there's big pauses and then they need you to go. When the light's good, you need to go. And I think I'm like still learning how to be ready all of a sudden in those moments to put myself in like pretty high stress, high consequence place. So that's been tricky. And then like obviously the whole like camera in your face is a normal human thing. Like <laughs> I almost like having my goggles on because then it's like obviously in ski movies, there's like the chatter, like the sound bites and stuff and that's when I get like super awkward and say things I would never say in normal life but there's a camera like in my face I don't know I say something nerdy what's the nerdiest thing you've said oh god I can't even begin to tell you they're like dad jokes if your Instagram stories are anything to go mm. by no those are I'm actually that weird like that would be funny I turn into like robotic like beautiful day out here you know like I'd rather be my normal weirdo self but instead I get like beep, 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 beep. I'm working on it. Look at this bluebird. Yeah. She's going blue, boy. It's like such a classic line. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched too many ski movies. I don't really watch that many. Every now and then. I've gotten really into them. I used to not. Like, I used to be like, I'm obsessed. I like watching ski movies with other people because you can always, like, share your reactions. For sure. Yeah, I can understand. They're all, like, very similar to, like, have you ever seen Valhalla? No. That one's good. It's like, I enjoy the ski movies with, like, a plot, even if they're cheesy. And Valhalla's, like, with Sierra Kitty quite a while ago it's like this magical land and everyone skis around naked and it's like sick it's great <laughs> um but i kind of like those type of funny ones like old jeff ledger has these older films that just had the most ridiculous plot lines but they were hilarious 
I know. I was skiing with a bunch of like corporate guys last week. Mm-hmm. I know. We stopped under the gondola, just like up in the trees there, and then they just started quoting old ski movies like Hot Dog and Ski Patrol <laughs> and stuff. That's amazing. And I was like, whoa! I did not expect a bunch of lawyers to know no. any of these yeah. movies. It's pretty amazing. I think that's actually the demographic that watches the most ski movies. Yeah. In ski towns, well, one, they're always around us. You know, you go to any restaurant and there's probably a ski movie playing. So you see enough. But I feel like when I was instructing, like, my clients would, like, really anticipate the next Warren Miller, which is cool. Like, I'm so grateful that there's people that still enjoy them. But I think if you live in a ski town, it's like, that's your life. (laughs) I know I was a teenager when I wasn't skiing nearly as much. I used to be like, Dad, Warren Miller's coming to town. So cute. Let's go. And I would drag my dad and my mom. And my mom would not be stoked because she doesn't ski. (laughs) She's like, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) But dad does. And then he'd be like, oh, my God. I can't believe people do that. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I love that. Were your parents, like, pretty supportive of your skiing? Um, yeah. They're still really, yeah. like, supportive. Even though I was like, I don't want to go to the university. I just want to ride horses for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I want to ski. And they were like, you Sounds just like pretty good go do that. Which is really funny because, like, my siblings are all pretty academic. And obviously I've finished university now, but I'm still, like, it's having really fun. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like siblings, there's got to be some differences. Otherwise it's boring if you guys all are doing the same thing. I'm the youngest too, so I oh, get yeah. away with a lot. You can get away with anything. <laughs> yeah, mom and dad are very like, as long as you're happy, we're happy. <laughs> Amen, mom and dad. Have you listened to, um, I think you might have told me about it. Someone did, but it was about the fine line and it's about like Backcountry Zero does it here, that podcast. Oh, yeah. My dad and I drove across Australia and back again this year. Damn. We were listening. How long does that take? It's like a little under 4,000 K, so like a couple of days. And dad and I like listened to a couple of those podcasts and dad was like, wait, hang on. I don't let my parents know anything. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, okay, so we're never going to tell your mom about that ever. Right. And he's like, have you skied that? I'm like, uh, yeah. I think my mom is so oblivious that it works. I'll like tell her things, but she has no idea what that means. So it's perfect, you know? Yeah. Like, and she's like, that sounds awesome. I love you, mom. But like, it's true. She's like so supportive. And she also, I think it'd be harder if your parents knew like the reality, like if your dad was a patroller or something, I think that would almost be harder. I think blissfully ignorant for your mother's probably best it's good there's like some photos that you just don't send exactly and then but now my mom has instagram and so she'll be like what are you doing at the cowboy bar at 2 a.m and i'm like <laughs> you gotta make that oops i should have pressed private. close friends yeah that exactly one. <laughs> for sure close friends is the best thing that instagram's ever done <laughs> <laughs> now i just try not to post because i'm like there's too many people dude i hear that yeah have it's... you had to change your social media game the funny thing is is like there has been not necessarily with sponsors or anything but like some chat about like creating your brand or whatever and I think that's so silly because I am my brand if you're genuinely who you are that's your brand and I think if I just stick with that then it'll be a genuine brand so I've just like kept up my weirdo Instagram posts and there's been pretty good response like I think people in a weird way enjoy getting to know me like there's no filter on who I am on my Instagram and there's obviously some close friend stuff that I would prefer to like nothing bad but just like I'm I don't know if I'm like somersaulting in my room by myself maybe everyone doesn't need to see that 
but I definitely have like made sure that I'm maybe more appropriate at all times just in case I want to be a good role model for everybody and not that I do bad things but maybe I've made it a little cleaner but other than that I'm pretty genuinely who I am kind of crazy how like social media like plays a role now it's crazy dude crazy it's such a tool but it's also like talking to a little bit older of a generation of professional skiers like I don't know I think there's like something really beautiful about posters and magazines and this physical thing that you can hold and I think also the idea of Instagram is like we're kind of more puppets of the sport in my opinion but it's also such a necessary evil and it's a cool way to inspire people and reach a a wider audience so I see the pros and the cons of it it feels like it has to be like so instant and it's always there I think my biggest grievance is the amount of time I spend on it but it also being like pretty important as far as it's a place where I communicate with people and even sometimes more so than emails with sponsors and stuff just because it is so immediate which makes me check it more and, and I could limit myself it's not an excuse but it's a necessary evil and I think maybe if it wasn't such a part of the game then I would spend less time on my phone but that's how she goes we all spend way too much time on our phones preach let's go away from social media okay thank like, god I watched your edit I think my favorite part like I expected all like the skiing bit my mm-hmm. favorite part was you like standing at the top swearing I mean, it's obviously beeped out, but... That is, like, (laughs) that's the stuff that I think's, like, relatable, and it's real. It's real. (laughs) And, like, I really do get scared, and I really do fangirl over these people that are now my peers. Like, I think that stuff is cool, and just, like, showing that we're all human is really important. And that stuff happens a lot here. Like, there's a lot of cliffs. There's a lot of scary stuff. For sure. And I was like, oh my god, it's not just me. No. <laughs> Stands up there like, what have so I done? <laughs> what have I done? Why am I here? And then, like, you also, I think the coolest part about that is at the end of it, you feel so accomplished. You're like, whoa, I conquered that thing. And then you look back up and you're like, why was I so scared? Or, or maybe that was the scariest thing I've ever done. But you did it and it's pretty cool. What is the scariest thing you've done? so far that is a very good question as far as like getting really gripped skiing the grand was just different experience but as far as like jumping off of something i've been really nervous on top of both once is enough and twice is enough now i've skied them and i feel more confident those for some reason those bigger lines up on cody i just you're on this ridge and it's really steep and there's cornices and stuff like that the jumping off of stuff i feel like is like a blind fear in comparison to a big line where you're looking at it you're like looking at this thing and when you take off for a big air you kind of are just like, like yeah and then you're in the air and you're like oh my god and you're so scared <laughs> but as far as like on top of something the air is funny i remember a couple times on the air just being like <gasps> i think it was like my first time jumping into corvettes probably and that was in king and queens wasn't it yeah that was my first time in that bad larry i don't know i don't like lines where everyone watches it just seems like too much pressure <gasps> until you have to do it like that was kind of crazy that you'd like never done it and then went in the competition and then just like jumped in yeah it was i think i knew that i'd seen it done and i was like yeah i didn't mean to actually go as big as i did too i think that played a big role in like just the progression of my skiing really because i really didn't actually mean to go as big as i did it has such a drop off that you really do fly but you can see if you rewatch the footage that I obviously didn't know I was gonna go as big because I like came off in a kind of like pretty condensed position and then I like did this crazy like squirrel spread eagle fear thing and then I went back around now that I had an idea of how big it was so it was all a mistake really <laughs> <laughs> kind of calculated mistake yeah kind of calculated exactly I had an idea where have you kept your crowns oh this is funny the first one is really cool it was made by the high school um, metal class and it's like a beautiful beautiful work of art with fur and a ski boot buckle on the back 
And that one has been a party thing. Like if there's house parties, it's just like kind of, it's placed in all of the homes that I've lived in, but in like kind of a discreet way so that people don't notice it until they really look. So they're just like scattered around my house. And then the second one, I actually, this is like the coolest thing I've ever done. Michelle Parker's my hero. And she was at the King and Queens party. I'm like, hey, like, this is kind of nerdy, but I look up to you. I think you're awesome. And she was like, oh my God, Kate, like good job today, blah, blah. And I was like, my life is so sick. And then I was like, are you coming up to the party? And she was like, ah, I don't have a ticket. And I was like, don't worry, I have an idea. And I took my crown to the ticket office and traded my crown for a ticket for Michelle Parker. And uh, that's when I peaked in life. So you don't have the second crown. <laughs> I don't know where the second crown is. Oh. Love it, Jackson Mountain Resort, but the it was made of plastic. It, it was super cool, but um, the first one means the most to me. And yeah. That one was worth it to get Michelle Parker into the party. Yeah. You know? Who's Michelle Parker? Michelle Parker is a MSP athlete and a Red Bull athlete. And in my opinion, she does a, a web series with Red Bull called Originate. And she really pushes female skiing across the board as far as like airs and tricks and Alaskan spines. And she's a good person while doing it, which I appreciate. Yeah, Michelle. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned Alaska. Did you have been heli skiing up there once or twice? Just once. Just once. How did that all Happen. I was lucky enough to get invited by the company that I ski Blizzard. They have a partnership with Alaska Rendezvous Guides, which is a heli outfit in Valdez, Alaska. And they kind of take the athletes that had a good season up there as like a pat on the back slash just a photo trip. And I went up with Robin and Anne, two girls that I ski with on Blizzard. ARG is really cool because a lot of heli outfits have gone bougie. And this one you roll up and it's like a lodge in Alaska. And there's RVs and people are playing wiffle ball and it's just sitting in the most beautiful mountain range that I had never personally seen. I had never been to Alaska before, so pretty blown away. It was such a great scene to roll into. It's unchanged from however long ago when it started, which I think is really beautiful. So it still feels real. It's 100%. not like a five-star hotel at the bottom of no. trying to learn a lot more about like Doug Coombs and like all that history. And then like hearing about what it's actually like now is a crazy contrast. It's super crazy and I see both sides of it. I really, I love being in a lodge, you know? Yeah. I like that whole like, oh, I'm in the mountains feel instead of being like, oh, I could be in the middle of a city. Being an instructor here, we get to mix with so many different people and so many different types of skiers, like so many different wealth levels. For sure. And the personalities. And then there's like the people that really want to like get it and do everything themselves, like put their boots on. And then you have other people can't even put their boots on. And I'm like, but you've been heli skiing. Like, how is this it's realistic? so crazy. There's something about just being a capable adult. I also, I oftentimes picture myself on the floor of Wall Street to just like give everyone a break that's in a ski town or or say like someone's here on a trip and I think oftentimes they turn their brain off and I've had clients or whatever and I know how incredibly intelligent they are and how much they're worth and all these things. And I'm just like, how do you still not know where this chairlift is? We've ridden it the past four runs. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God. If I was on, like, floor of Wall Street, I would cry. I could yeah. not handle it. So I do try to, like, this is away from what we were talking about, but that's always been super helpful for me to, like, try to wrap my head around why people do the things they do. And, like, their life is just so wildly different. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, wow, like, you're worth literally billions of dollars and you are trusting me. Also true. It's like, always shocking right. when anyone <laughs> trusts like, me ever. I'm so. like, you're trusting me. Or with your children? I'm like, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can do it. And then sometimes when people don't don't trust you. I'm like, trust me. 
I'm an instructor. I do. <laughs> trust me. I'm a pro. <laughs> I do really enjoy, though, like, and not in, like, a power-hungry way, but I dropped out of school, and, and I don't have a chip on my shoulder about it, but it's something that I sometimes think about when I'm instructing these super educated, wealthy people, and, and they ask me about it, and I'll tell them that I left school or whatever, and the, like, respect they give me just as far as, like, what I'm doing with my life and kind of giving me a pat on the back, like, I did the right, like, I made this good life choice because skiing is my passion and it's working for me, and... I don't know. There's something to be said about someone in a totally different walk of life. Approving is the wrong word, but understanding why you do what you do, that feels really good. And it's funny because like that is like kind of a regular occurrence here. You have like the people that are like, why are you doing this? When are you going to get a real job? Whether like being a pro skier or like for me being an instructor, people are like, well, when are you going to get a real job? And I'm like, well, this actually could be a real job. I don't think people understand how good of money you can make <laughs> it's amazing and you ski every day and, and you're happy it's exciting it's exciting and yeah it's a great way of life in my opinion and it's not for everyone no mountain towns aren't for everyone no cities aren't for everyone i go crazy in cities i can't stand the noise i just get overstimulated and then i'm exhausted by the end of the day because i'm looking at so many things taking in so many smells and i love like different types of weirdo food cities are i get really excited and then i crash and burn <laughs> yeah i get overwhelmed by like like traffic yeah that makes sense just constant spending so much time here and then spending so much time in the mountains in australia which is like even more isolated and then Mm -hmm. going down to melbourne i'm like oh my god the food is great i feel like wired yeah so for sure and it's bright all the time everywhere and i'm like walking on concrete makes your feet sore also walking around not in ski boots you're like whoa i've lost all my muscles yeah it's such singular muscles such a contrast that's kind of why i have this podcast because i have friends that are in the city now i like met instructing but they still part-time and they're like oh it's so good to like feel like i'm at least part of the mountains for a that's little cool bit. like a little connector yeah that's i think also like why podcasts are so awesome you can like learn about so many different things and like such a comfortable space exactly while you're driving on the train in all the traffic in the city yeah that would stress me out i mean we've got traffic here but i think it's not relatable no it's really funny when people are like, the traffic's so bad. I'm like, yeah, but... There's, that's because there's a moose walking across the road. Another thing that I wanted to bring up was mm-hmm. the hold it wide open thing. I know that you've talked about it on other stuff. For sure. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, hold it wide open is a motorcycle term. Like if you picture the opening of a throttle to make the motorcycle go faster. And one of my mom's best friends growing up had a son that was similar age to me. And he rode motorcycles and I skied. And they always like really connected over the fact that we both like held it wide open in our own ways and we ran such parallels but we didn't even know each other and he ended up passing away in a motorcycle accident when I was probably in middle school maybe and Hold It Wide Open was just like my only real connection with this kid like I'd met him as a child but I don't know it was kind of like this memorial thing slash just a term that I really identified with and thought was a cool thing to not only have in my skiing but also in life the idea of life is short Hold It Wide Open kind of is what they uh, Connor was his name Connor the France and they put it on like bracelets and stickers and stuff like that so it was kind of an easy, easy term to like carry on. But it's so it's like holding yourself like open to possibilities. Yeah. And just like kind of opening up the gas, like yeah, going for it opposed to, I don't know what you would call not holding it wide open, feathering perhaps. Breaking. <laughs> Breaking. Yeah. No, 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 no. No need for that. No downshifting. <laughs> Unless you're going to pass someone and you can downshift. Do you get to go on snowmobiles much? No. Fingers crossed the next couple of weeks I'll be going out. I have a couple of friends that have very very kindly allowed me to come out with them and kind of wrap around and learn but it sounds like 
like it's a tool that TGR uses that hopefully I will get to take part in the next couple of weeks. So fingers crossed nice. it goes smoothly. Well, how's all the TGR thing? Like, how is that all working? What's uh, the deal there? It was pretty organic. I was kind of trying to get on their radar for a couple of years. It was my dream. When I moved out here and started getting into the world of Jackson and free skiing, TGR became the pinnacle in my mind of companies to work for or maybe it was because I was in Jackson so it just seemed like something that I don't know all of my favorite female skiers and male skiers actually at the time were skiing for TGR I thought Angel Collinson was and I still do think she's amazing and her skiing style is pretty similar to mine so she was someone I could idolize and like watch her skiing and whatever get hyped on and so I'd been kind of emailing Steve and Todd after the King and Queen just like hey like my dream to film here's my resume if you have any interest here's my season edit if you have any interest here's my stuff like definitely. what do you put on your resume just the comps i've like it's like a ski resume it's nothing not, about it's academics. not like it's not like bus tables at the spa can well, make a mean margarita yeah that, i mean i too <laughs> add a couple of things like that you gotta be well-rounded you know and then long story short i was asked to do a, a video shoot with them this summer actually for polaris like side by sides and got to meet the whole crew and rallied the heck out of this polaris side by side and kind of showed them that I was fun to be around and easy to work with and would work really, really hard and was able to meet the right people. And um, I, I ski for North Face. And so those sponsors, it's important for those to line up and they did. So kind of got the call this fall asking if I'd be interested. I obviously said I would be. And then about a month ago, they brought me to their office and we're like, we're going to start filming tomorrow. Oh my God. Obviously Ooh. I was very like calm and collected. Yes. That sounds great. <laughs> Go but back into your car. And I was, I was like, actually yes! freaking out. <laughs> Mom! Guess what? Yes, pretty excited. <laughs> so that's how that happened. That's exciting. It was cool. It was definitely like a holy crap moment. And I think it's kind of been that way. Like just the fact that Griffin Post and Sam Smoothie and all these people that I've looked up to and watched movies and like really admired for years are hanging out on top of lines with me is is pretty wild. And it's funny because I'm just like the same nerdy me. I, I haven't changed. So it's like, how the heck is all this thing, all this happening? Pretty cool. Am I dreaming? Pinch me. Yeah, no, no, for real. And then I take a slam and I'm like, I'm not dreaming. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> That's going to be a bruise later. Yeah. You know, have you ever had ski dreams, though? That, like, so many. Yeah. And you can, like, over-rotating your quadruple backflip. So you're like, all right, I'll go for five. Which is something that, like, I can barely do one backflip, you know? It's not like that, but <laughs> that's cool. I wish um, it was like that. You've just learned how to backflip, haven't you? I have, yeah. Did you do it on trampoline fast or on skis? Uh, trampoline. I actually was uh, a friend of mine is an ex-mogul skier, and she's been awesome, Sophia Schwartz. She brought me to the Axis, like, the gym in town, and we would play around at night, and then I was pretty comfortable, and then went to Mount Hood, and it, the jump just wasn't quite right, and it wasn't pow, and I was scared, and I just, like, wrecked myself backflipped in too early and like kept slamming my head on the jump and Ooh. like definitely concussed myself and was a little bit um scared of it and then Carl uh, crazy Carl Carl Fosted he was in town and he helped me out a lot we like built the proper jump and there was pal landings and I got one dialed and Jim and Forrest have been helpful in the process too so a bunch of people have come and coaching me but pretty wild going upside down it's like such a crapshoot if it's gonna come around or not or at least for me I'm sure you get more comfortable but I'm like wow my feet amazing maybe one day I'll learn how to do one but you got it I've tried they're just times. scary just land on my head I in know. the foam pits Oh, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> nice powder is primo. Um, was it easier on skis than you thought it was? For sure. The momentum that you get from the jump, like, kind of just puts in. If the jump is, like, properly built. But yeah. it kind of, like, helps you just commit to bringing it around. Where on the trampoline? Ah! 
It was easier than I thought. The skis being heavy, though, that's tricky yeah. for me. Because I'm like, I have pretty good body awareness, but then when there's, like, other other extra things. things. Are you, like, in the gym way more than you used to be? The weight gym? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I started training properly this summer with Chris Butler, and it's been a game changer. He's, like, such an amazing part of this team that I'm slowly building, whether it's friends or trainers or coaches or, like, people I admire or whatever, but um, I got in the gym with him, I think, in, like, June, maybe, and was training, like, two or maybe three times, two times a week, I think, Um, but got really strong really quickly, and I hadn't been in the gym since I was competing like ski racing in college so it was also a thing that I told myself I would never do I like retired and I'm like I'm never setting foot in a gym again um and then I realized that like there's different ways of going about it and this is more like a warehouse gym and it's a really calm environment and it's he doesn't want you to get winded or stress or go fast it's like very methodical and I think learning to use your body in those ways is such a contrast to skiing 100 miles per hour and jumping off crazy stuff and so I really enjoyed like kind of recentering and strength and also just it's such a cool thing to have in the back of your head. Like I trained all summer. I'm strong. Like I, yeah. it's just like when you're on top of something, it's like an extra bit of confidence and he comes from a fighting background. So it's like a very different type of workout than I've, I've done in the past, which is cool. And he's got a really amazing mindset and thinks in totally different ways and can kind of like tell me that I'm being silly when I'm being silly and pat me on the back when I need some encouragement. And he's very honest with me and he's outside of the skiing world. And I think that's such a gift. Be refreshing too, because with skiing, you get so immersed. And it's like, For sure. I almost enjoy going to the gym. It's almost like meditational to go and do something else. And like for your body too, I think you're an athlete. I'm an athlete. It's really cool to do different movements with your body sometimes like I feel like skiing you're always like in this crouched position using x y and z muscles like I don't know doing pull-ups or getting strong in other ways is or just working on balance and just messing around I agree it's good to get out of your head all like in this town we were talking about it but like skiing is around us all the time it's our work it's our play it's our like if you go to a bar you're gonna hear like people talking about the weather, the Abbey conditions, or what they skied today. Amongst or who it, they skied with. Or who they skied with. Maybe they're talking about like sports or politics, but nine times out of ten it has something to do with skiing, which is awesome and it's such an amazing place and community and like mindedness is so important. But yeah, it's a lot sometimes. What is something that you like to do that's not skiing or going to the gym? I have been really enjoying like being by myself and reading and I've gotten into like journaling and like these like really mellow tasks. I really enjoy cooking too. There's a whole slew of sports that I really enjoy on top of skiing, but I, like I've almost enjoyed the like slower aspects of life in the past couple years. I think I got into mountain biking and that's super scary. And like skiing is like this really high intensity sport that I couldn't love anymore. But the reality is that it is very intense. And so like cooking a nice meal and being relaxed and listening to good music in a quiet environment and reading and stretching like all those things are so medicinal and, like meditating and I've just like really spent a lot of time with myself in the past year just trying to navigate the whole new life of becoming a professional athlete and what that looks like and what that means and I have to take care of my body and rest more so I think yeah. it's kind of pushed me towards more sedative activities which yeah. I can't complain I'd like to learn how to like play an instrument or speak another language those are my list of things to do what's the favorite book that you've read lately I hate the self-helpy term but like that realm of like our minds and what we're capable of and I'm really fascinated by the minds of extreme athletes or the minds of kind of out there people I'm reading a book right now called The Chimp Paradox and it separates our mind into three different sectors 
the chimp, the human, and the computer. And I just, I think I'm fascinated by the mind because I think it could be such a tool and such a hurdle and it can hold us back. Like even with those women coaching at the women's camp, they their minds were holding them back so much. They were oh, yeah. so capable, but they didn't believe in themselves. So that was interesting. And I think as an athlete, like that's kind of like the key to unlock the next level is the mind. And what was so funny about my group of women is they all skied very similar. Interesting. But then there was like two that were super confident two that were kind of in the middle and then two that were like really nervous about their capabilities even though they were like the best ones in the group right the two most nervous were the ones that skied the best yeah it's just so crazy to me i think we surround ourselves by such confident women in this town that it was pretty eye-opening or maybe the contrast was just like seemed made it like more magnified but so hard on themselves you yeah. guys are great. Like, yeah, this is your you second get time to, skiing you all winter. You do this all the time. It's crazy. And I find it different too because you spend so much time with men and then you end up in a group of women and you're like, wow, like bad to compare, but you end up thinking like, oh, actually I'm like pretty like mentally like tough. Oh, for sure. And a lot of women, I think they really struggle with that being yeah. mentally tough. I think we also assume that the people that we surround ourselves with are just the norm and we surround ourselves by pretty incredible people and not to say that there aren't incredible people everywhere but the women that I admire and, and and men that I admire and try to surround myself with in this town are just next level athletes and next level humans and push themselves in these crazy ways and I like go home and talk about what my friends do or what they did or like this project they're planning and my friends from home are like that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. you know this person like in New Hampshire yeah yeah and I'm like, yeah, like they're actually like just like you and me. Like they're talented, obviously. But I think I just assume that everyone does things like go and ski the middle on a Saturday, you know? Like even like skidding up Snow King is like, yeah. that's a big thing. But it's just second nature to people It's just like here. normal here. Honestly, learning how to mountain bike was so crazy. Like all of a sudden there was like 70 year old women like airing next to me. Like that was inspiring in a totally different way. But I was like, wow, everyone is such psychos. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. Like-mindedness, like I was kind of saying it was hard earlier because it's all skiing all the time, but there's also something incredibly comforting about people that understand that I enjoy doing the things that I enjoy doing and that you enjoy doing the things you do because otherwise it would be lonely if people were like, why do you have to jump off that? People are like, I get it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. You could go bigger, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the best part too is that the community of people that push you opposed to holding you back are not like, that's dangerous. They're like, you should, yeah, go bigger or you should try spinning off of it or something like that. I like that. Just surround yourself by people that push you. I don't know. I think that's probably like a major reason why I keep coming back here is that I always feel like I'm being pushed, but I'm being pushed in the right way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely peer pressure sometimes, but oh, definitely. people push you because they know that you're capable. And I think that's a cool thing about the mountains is if you're in the mountains with someone, you probably trust them with your life. And so therefore, if they're going to push you, they probably are pushing you for the right reasons. Like you said, that's pretty cool. Going back to like thinking about where I was my first season here and like now there's some lines that I thought back then that were like so scary like within the resort from like end of November my first season to April my first season I was oh like this is still scary but I'll do it and then like third season last season I was like I'm pretty like comfortable with a lot of these lines I think it's cool sometimes to just notice that too and like go back to a line that you were so scared of your first season and you can like dance down it I think Corbett's has been such an incredible growing jumping place because I get so scared doing that that then everything else seems mellow and I think sometimes like you just like overcome this fear and you genuinely like overcome it you do it once and then you can go back and it's not that scary 
it's cool to see like especially physical things like a line that you can look at and remember and be like now it's no big deal like i specifically i can't remember the name of it and it doesn't really rem- like matter one of the lines like skiing down to sublet it's not an ultra shoot or anything but I remember, like, going off with my boyfriend that I had my first season here and being like, why'd you bring me here? I don't want to kill this. me. This is so scary. <laughs> and then, like, there's, like, a photo of me skiing it last year. And I put it on my Instagram. And I didn't think anything of it. We're in the locker room. Obviously, like, we're not together anymore. But he was like, I saw a picture of you skiing your favorite run. Yeah. Remember <laughs> was, how mad you were at me? Yeah. I was like, yeah. Thanks. I guess things change. <laughs> Jackson, I think, as a resort and, like, as a community pushes you, you're going to get better so quickly. Or not you, but, like, being here, you're going to get better so quickly. It's inevitable. I've been super lucky just skiing behind people that have been here for a really long time. And also watching the general public here is so talented. Like, everyone rips so hard that just having that talent around you can, like, idolize. I idolize this idolize style all the time of people I see like professional or not I like the way they ski and it's cool to have that around you all the time it's constant feedback like video analysis or like it's ski movies all the time (laughs) well that's what's so cool is like you get off like the tram and Lindsay Dyer's there and Griffin Post is there and like all these people that are the best at what they do are just hanging out here because it's a really good spot to be yeah I love it it's so much fun all right what else can I ask you what's your proudest moment what's the thing that you're like the most proud of it's a really good question I think that was really really proud it might not have been a moment like of my work really proud of my Warren Miller segment it was like my first opportunity to really showcase my skiing and to show people like my mom and and all these people in my life that have been so supportive and like kind of be like this is what I do and this is what I love to do and this is why I love to do it and I wasn't sure how the segment was going to come about but Forrest Jill said Kim Fitzpatrick and I like worked really hard for for 10 days and put together a really cool segment and I think I was really proud of that like whole experience it may not be a moment I think sometimes jumping off of really big things I jumped off of a pretty big cliff a couple weeks ago and just proud of doing it but different types of proud I guess okay so we've been talking for a little while I'm thinking we might wrap it up is there anything that I've missed is there anything that you would like to talk about well tell me about talk about how cool Jackson is how great skiing is I love my mom a lot love my little sister a lot got great friends it's about about what I got yeah. Good. I like that. <laughs> Fired up on all the people that have uh, helped me along the way. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Thanks Finally for the got you here. In the fireplace, this place is cozy. <laughs> I remember being like, have you ever done a podcast before? And you were like, no, now you have. But now you've done another one. Now I've done another one. <laughs> and that is a wrap on my episode with Kate. It is so good to be back in Jackson and surrounded by the mountains. I have some more episodes coming your way soon, so don't worry. I know I've taken a little bit of a break lately. But if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Maybe share it with someone who might like a little listen. And if you have time, please leave me a rating or a review. It'll help people find the Mountain Cosmos. See you for now, guys. Mm